Pastor, and we decide to cooperate and to work with God to align our lives, if you would, back to his divine purpose, we start seeing uh, restoration. We start seeing his blessing. We start seeing others being blessed through us. See, Satan, before you were born, he already was plotting to mess with your life. Oh, I heard say it again. Before you were born, Satan always purpose to mess with your life. And he does not give up. If this is one of the, the, the funniest things sometimes that we miss. Is that if he's going to lose a fight and he wants you to be his, he's not going to give up easy. He's going to fight to the end. Now you read story after story from the beginning of time Satan is always trying to mess with people's lives. He messed with Adam and Eve in the garden. Why? He, he, wanted, he wanted to destroy the purpose of God in their lives. God created them. He says he created, he created everything. The universe. Everything that there is to, uh, around. He created everything and God said he was good. And he came to form Adam and Eve. And when he created man, the Bible says that the Lord said to himself, let us make man in our own image according to our own likeness. You know, so God had already created human beings in his own image. And Satan would crawl around and, and mess with their minds. And says, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows the day you eat from it, you're going to be just like him. There's a problem. They were already like God. Because they were created in the image of God. And so he uses deception to, to help us, uh, to, to walk us into walking off of uh, God's plan for our lives. And that's why Jesus came. So I want to read, before I talk too much here, I want to read Ephesians chapter 2. And I don't have it in the back for the cheaters. Get your Bibles open, pull it up from your phone, read along. I did it on purpose, I promise you. They'll ask you, hey, Pastor, do you, don't you have your verses up there? I was like, no, I don't. Today I'm going to read from the, from the Bible, you know. Yeah, all right. So next week, just bring your Bible to church. Download your Bible app really quick, catch up. So we're going to dwell. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how many verses we're going to read out, out of Ephesians chapter 2, but I'm going to see us by a show of hands. It's not a public shaming. It's just an encouragement moment. How many have been digging the book of Ephesians lately? Oh, come on. That's awesome. Uh, you, how many are receiving something from God, new revelation as you read it? You see, on a Sunday morning, any preacher, no matter how good, and I'm not the greatest preacher out there, there are some that are just so good, they're talented, gifted, anointed in that area, can never give you everything that God has for you. See, our job will be to inspire, we'll, we'll look at, we'll, we'll eat the meat together, we'll, we'll get encouraged, we'll get nourished spiritually. But your ongoing diet of the Word of God is something you have to do yourself. In fact, I want to say that you'll get more out of the message when you're in the Word. I know someone stopped me on Sunday and says, Oh, wow, that was so good because that's exactly what God was speaking to me about. I was like, I didn't express it like dramatically, but in my heart I was like, that's awesome. That is just awesome. And I remember in my walk with Christ, the moment when my pastor would start preaching, and I would almost finish his words for him, because I was, I was digging the word, I was spending time in prayer, so, because it's the same spirit that is in him, it's the same spirit that is in you, that is in, in us, the same Holy Spirit. We 
we have been given a different spirit. We've been given the same Holy Spirit and he's willing to, to be a teacher for all of us, to help all of us. If we will seek him, if we will, but the Bible says if we will seek him, we will find him when we seek him with all our hearts. Yes. So we go on with this created for our purpose. We have created for more. Paul begins Ephesians chapter 2 by, by, by reminding the church, verse 1, of what their lives were like before Christ. Let me read. It says, you were dead and you... Were, okay, let me go back here. Give me one second. I'm going too fast here. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature des deserving of wrath. In other words, that, uh, that we've all have sinned We've all have fallen short of God's glory. In other, the, 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 the penalty of our sin is punishment, is death. I love it that it doesn't stop there. How many can, can say that you could read through that, the verses and it conjures up some thoughts of men. Uh, yep, 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 yep I, I remember. I know where I would have been had the Lord not snatched me out of where the direction that I was going through. I know what my life would look like. I love social media. It reminds us over and over again because all your friends from 1904 show up and want to be friends again. And then you can see very clearly before your eyes, it's like, whoa. That's who I spend 95% of my time with. And thank God. See, the next verse is, but God, through his mercy. But God who is rich in mercy. And I could go the back God a lot. I was heading on depression, no hope. I was going to self-destruct. I was going on a route that, to the point of no return. But God. He says, you were dead in your transgression. You live for yourself. You didn't did whatever you wanted to do, the inclinations of your flesh. If you felt like it, you did it. No reservation. But he says it's, it's a trap because when you're living like that, you think you're in control, but you're actually not in control because the king, he says that the, the, the prince or the, 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 the Satan is the one that's really controlling your life. You think you got it, that you're living for yourself. You think you got everything done, living life without God. But yet it says that Satan is actually manipulating and controlling your life and is not afraid when he has you. But... God. But because of his great love for us, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in, in, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that is not from yourself, it is a gift 
from God. This is a gift of God. God. Not by works that no one should boast. Right. Yes. I have had a lot of reflections this week. Just looking back. And we need to do that all the time. Because sometimes I've found one of the things that brings more joy, that, that, that fires your spirit, that fires your soul, that gets you on board when you're not feeling it, is this truly look back and compare what your life would be like without Christ. Some of you were a mess. Some of you are like, I'm still a mess being made. And that's okay. And when I think about it enough, I kind of choke up. Because his love is overwhelming. Yes. His grace is overwhelming. Yes. There are times that I think I could have just taken my life, put it together and thrown it away because I was headed in the wrong direction. Yes. And the Lord who is so rich in mercy, yes. even as Pastor Dustin led us in the offering this morning, that in his mercies that are new today, September 15, 2019, his mercies are new. Amen. And great is his faithfulness. Yes. What was your week like? What are you going through in your life right now that wears you down, that you feel like maybe there is no hope? Here the Bible is saying there is a, so much hope you cannot run out of it if you dip into it. If you begin to see how much grace God has available for you and I. We cannot, we cannot be so far away that his love cannot reach us. He says, even our own salvation, make no mistake, I know we have a responsibility to respond to God because we have self-will, we have free will, we have choice, which he gave us because he created us in his own image. So he never, never imposes himself on us, but he calls us to himself. He says, my sheep, know me, they hear my voice and they follow. That's why we are followers of Christ. He, doesn't, he, he, he calls us. And when we respond to him, he always accepts us. Sometimes we try to make everything right before we come. He says, no, you come and I will make you right. He never imposes himself to us, but he always is calling us. In Revelation, the, in the three, uh, seven churches that uh, Jesus talks about, there's a verse in, in, in verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 20, he talks about, Behold, I, the, it says that the Lord Jesus is, Behold, I knock at the door. I stand and knock at the door. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. And, 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 and God, he, he's talking about the church. I've used that verse many times to make an altar call for salvation. I, I do believe it's applicable in that regard as well. But this letter was written to God's people. 
Because even when we've become hearers, the Lord still knocks. The Lord still knocks. Says, Would you let me in in this part of your life? Yes. Would you let me in? In your finances? Would you let me in your relationship? Or would you let me in in your work, in your career? Would you let me in? I want to come and be a part of what you're doing. Amen. You don't need to leave it. But God, it shows his nature uh, that he, he is gentle. He is kind. He is gracious. Even though he is all-powerful, he restrains himself and is gentle in the way he approaches us. The adversary on the other side, not so much. He doesn't knock. You don't open the door. You forget to shut the window at night. He'll get in. He'll cook himself a steak and watch TV with your remote control. an opportunist. He takes advantage of when we, when we don't put our guard on. He takes advantage when he looks at the room and he sees that it is empty. There's a verse in uh, the Matthew, uh, Jesus uh, says in the gospel, he says that when the enemy, uh, when the spirit is uh, come out of a house and goes around and wanders everywhere, the spirit will come back to the house that he was cast out from. Jesus says, and when he finds out that the house was empty, he pulls seven more that are even worse than they and occupy the place. That's the nature of the enemy. He takes advantage. And the Lord says, no, I want, I want to fill your house. I don't want you to just you, take me to church on Sunday or take me to this and then everything else. You're on your own. That's not what he's looking for in our lives because he has so much more for you and I that we... And he designed that for so much more. And he wants our life, the outcome of our life to be so much more than just the little things on the surface. Let's keep on reading. So verse 10. So we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us, prepared in advance for us to do. Another, transla uh, another translation, in fact, some of the original translation, it says that we are God's masterpiece. I'm not an artist. Don't ask me to draw anything. Don't ask me to draw an image or paint an image of yourself. You will have problems and you'll be seeing, you'll be getting, seeing some counselors for a while if you think what I draw will depict your, your looks at all. Um, I slept in art school when I had to take it. It was boring to me. But I love the complete product. I can appreciate good art. But uh, don't ask me from the beginning what it is. Or even try to, you know. And God made me that way. All of us have different giftings and talents and things that we can do better than anybody else because God made you just you. 
you know, you could go into Hobby Lobby and some place like that, and you could get all kinds of paintings that have been duplicated. And they don't cost as much as when you get the real art of a fine person who knew what they were, who saw the image of what they were going to complete before they ever pull the canvas and the paint. They could see clearly. They could look out and see exactly what they wanted to look. But you walk in their workroom where they want to paint, and it is complete mess. But they can see the completed work. They can explain it, be all excited about it, and you're like, yeah, that's great. I... <laughs> but when they are done, you're like, wow. Isn't that something? If we are God's masterpiece, sometimes our lives might look like a mess of paint, a canvas that has no, doesn't know where it's going. But God is, because God is still working on us. He's making something beautiful out of all the mess in your life. Our trials, our failings, our everything we inherit and, and the hard things that we go through in this life. But God's not done. He says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the plans that God has prepared for those who love, for those who love Him. We haven't even begun to imagine. And even in our best day when we have the most best mental clarity in our minds and we begin to dream and imagine what it would be like, it says it doesn't even come close to what God has prepared for those that love Him. And I believe that that speaks not just so much, there's, there's, a, there's a small portion of that that we get to enjoy in this life, but I don't think there's anything in this world, no matter how good it is, could ever attain to what God's speaking. Because we are always inclined to think of the time and the limitations of, um, of the world and how we live and, the, and, and time as we understand it. But God sees eternity and eternity is a long, long time. In, in a sphere where there is lim no limitation of time. But God has created you as a masterpiece. And the moment you begin to understand how how do I put this? The moment you begin to understand and accept that you didn't just show up, that you are not you're weird. Well, now you might be weird, but that's okay. <laughs> that God made no mistakes in creating you, you. In making you, you. They say, hey, Pastor Saul, hey, hey. Time out a little. Let's, let's talk about this. You don't know my family. I don't think God would have wanted anybody to start their lives the way mine started. I don't know. I say this statement, I've said it before. They are accidental parents, I believe that. But they're no accidental children. Amen. God knew the moment you would be born. But God also knows the moment we will depart this earth. Yes, yes. But you are his handiwork. You are his masterpiece. You alone. You know, 
<clears throat> it amazes me the problems that we deal with in our time. We can stop and think about through the history. I've always loved history since I was a little boy. Like I said, I didn't like art that much. I did love history. The world, in many respects, has never seen better days. Now, whoa, what world are you living in? Things that would be people, you could tell people generations ago, stuff that we would be able to do. How we live life. We like driving all over the country as a family, and sometimes I just think for me, we're driving 80 miles an hour on an interstate, covering so much land just and we do, we're not even thinking of the stuff that we are able to do now. How we're able to just get from one place to another in no time. Get across the world. It's like, you know, I remember one time I was flying to Kenya. And my family was driving to Chicago. And I got there before they did, you know. I forget, not Florida. They're driving to Florida. I mean, and we think about all these things and they're just normal right now. We live in relative peace. Not, not every, pass, every, every pocket of the world is peaceful right now. But in general, we live better than most of the people that have gone before us. Sometimes people that live, uh, you know, so, so, so. But at the same time, people are more stressed, depressed, oppressed, and all the est that you could add. <laughs> and it's not just adults. I mean, you, you meet little kids that are, that are hungry, that are worried, that are troubled in their minds. And I think the, the very foundation of this is that Satan has masterfully been able to convince us that they are better than us. You can fill in who they is. And when we grab a hold, I was going to close out my message maybe. <laughs> when we truly believe that when I'm not an accident, that even before I showed up on, on earth, God already knew my name. He had a plan for me. He had a purpose for my life. I'm not just existing. Yes. Oh, I am, I am a masterpiece of God. Yes. And he will never leave me sometimes. I get off track. Sometimes I've messed up. Sometimes I've... But, but, but God has never given up on me. Yes. And somehow I'm able to get that rooted deep in my spirit and I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It will give me the freedom from them. Yeah. Yeah. I will be free from them. Because yeah. yeah. we live so much of our lives, so much of our thought life occupied about if I did this, what would they think? If I made this move, what would they say? Let me tell you, they will continue to say even if. The saying will go on. It might not be in your face. But let me tell you, if that's... They still say it. But if you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter. You're so free. 
you're so free. Little children are comparing. We are imposing our own insecurities on our, as adults to little innocent children who have nothing to do with it. The quarrels, the fights, what? We are imposing that. We are feeding the kids and they start having problems at a very early age and it reaches its epitome at junior high. Woo! Junior high. You start talking to kids and you're like, wow, you think that? Well, I'm not beautiful. You name it. It must stop. It has to stop. Every person living here, every person sitting here today, you are perfect just the way you were because the one who made you is perfect. Like I said, I don't understand art at all. I've gone into artist people's workplaces. It looks like my tool room. Nothing is organized from a person that doesn't understand what's going on. But that master artisan knows. And he knows when that product is finished, we'll be like, wow. Isn't it crazy? We will be free from people's opinions, from people's thoughts, to worrying about what they are going to think about it, and then we can truly live, as Jesus says, that when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I have come, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's when we begin to experience abundant life, because abundant life is about being content where you are, being able to just have security in who you are in Jesus Christ. And he says that those who know their God, they are strong and they shall do mighty things they shall do mighty exploits because it's coming in knowing who you are in God people that do great things people that go are more than the ordinary that achieve anything that is lasting that is uh, uh, impressive in any kind of regard they have at one point in their lives have to know and have to decide that they will not be hindered by the opinions of others. I love reading autobiography. I've read a lot of autobiographies, all of the U.S. presidents and everything. And I, I admire any person that gets to that role. Because I don't care whether you like him or do not like them. Democrat, Republican, never been an independent yet. But... They are distracted by not pleasing everybody. Can't sleep overnight. Can't execute their missions. They cannot execute their duties because they are so worried about people. Well, nobody would ever do that job. And sometimes our responsibilities are not that as high as that. But I have admiration of people that can actually can continue to do what they do in spite. You know where that comes from as a child of God? It's knowing who you are. Really being fully persuaded that I am not an accident. 
I don't have to look like them, talk like them, be like them. I just need to be me. Amen. And that's all right. Amen. I didn't make me. I'm not my own. It says in Psalm 100, I'm of the Lord's. And if God messed up, it's not on me. It's on him. But I can guarantee you he did not. He says, as for God, the Bible says, his ways are perfect. Now could you tell someone and just give him an encouragement? He says, you're God's work. And you're perfect. Some of you are blushing because you didn't believe it. Because the same person that says, I don't know how I ended up with you. Oh, come on, you know I'm preaching better than you Amen in here. But you're perfect. Because God made you, you. All the weird quacks <laughs> and all the different things he made you. The second thing that he would inspire us to do is not just being free from them. He would also give us freedom to accept and to love who we are. And I've already probably made that point. You see, in the first commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples, when he talked about the two most important commandments, he said that the, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. And he says the second one is just like the first one, and he says that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes we miss that. It's not just love thy neighbor. It says love thy neighbor as yourself. There's a problem. A lot of people look at that work of art and when they see themselves in the mirror, they don't love themselves. They hate what they see. And not just physically sometimes, and that's a big deal these days, but they hate what they see internally. It says, I just, you don't know me. Even when I try, I mess it up again. I try it again. It, it will never happen for me. And you kind of lose hope and put some things down that once were a fire inside of you, things that you actually believed, had dreams, had a fire, had, were excited. But then a few unexpected curveballs messed with your thinking. And you thought, maybe it's for someone else. I'll be a good cheerleader. Go. Big red, go big red, yeah? I'm going to cheer them on and it's not for me. Maybe sometimes we don't say that out loud, but internally we've kind of given up on some things and think, yeah, I'm going to be ordinary. I think one of the reasons we don't see a lot of spectacular things sometimes happening in the kingdom of God is that a lot of people have given up on the dream that God has for us. We've truly just kind of decided to relax and coast and just accept it. And when it comes down to it, we don't even like the person that we are. And how can we really love our neighbors if we have a problem with the guy, person that knows everything that is to know about us, and that's you. And I'll tell you why we fall there. Because none of us are perfect. 
all of us are inclined to weaknesses and failure. We live in an imperfect world that has not been perfected. That's why in Revelation, when the fullness of all things come, the Bible says that there will be a new earth and a new heaven. Because even where we live, the environment that we live in, you could be all right, but you don't live in an all right place. See what I'm saying? And so that kind of messes with how we view ourselves sometimes because things don't always go the way we hoped that they, went, they would go. And I appreciate the Bible so much, so much, because it doesn't, the Bible never covers up all the different ones that we admire when we look back and think, oh man, that guy was a man of faith, oh, that guy man, I wish I could believe God like Moses I wish I could, I could be like Jeremiah I wish I, I wish I was like that kind of mighty faith, and then the Bible says they were also just ordinary people, they were not superhumans they were only superhumans in the way that they, they understood who they were with God But God, the Bible doesn't hide at all their failures, their disappointments, their mistakes, their judgment calls. I mean, some of the stuff people like David, who oftentimes, we were, I read Psalm 126 this morning, that he penned and inspires us in 2019. Several thousand years later, we can draw from that and have our strength be lifted up. And if you look at the account of his mess in his life, if some people did some of the stuff that David came, they might not even show up at church. You're like, he did what? <laughs> what, what? I don't even think that's possible. Did I just read this morning, by God, who is rich in mercy. Amen. If you had called yourself off at one point, maybe of you, because of things of your own doing, I'm telling you this morning, his masses are new. Come on, his masses are new. His masses are new. His masses are new. And lastly, the freedom that we'll get when we realize that and accept that is that it makes us weightless like never before. Because sometimes, because we, I can preach over and over and say, oh, we are, we are called to be witnesses of Christ and all that. Yeah, guys, go, go, go be a good witness. And, you know, sometimes that, that can be interpreted many different ways by the hearer. They say, okay, well, I'm not some kind of evangelist that's called to do that. That's just not me. That's exactly right. That's just not you. Because you are you. And God will use every one of us to be an effective witness when we understand and accept that he created us the way he created us, he gifted us the way he gifted us, he placed us where he placed us, and he's directing our very steps to work out his purpose in our lives. And as we, if we are all witnesses for him, that's why the most powerful, most important witness that we can have is our testimony. Sue said that, and I didn't even tell her that I was going to mention that. See, in Revelation, which is absolutely amazing for me to think about this, when he talks about how the believers overcame, we were singing that song, and so Sue made reference of that as she was leading. 
that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, loving not their lives even unto death. Now think about that. What Christ did on the cross is incredible. He says, that's, that's all we needed. When he, laid down, when he gave up his spirit, blood flowing, he said, it is finished. The work is done. It is completed. He says he, he went to hell and destroyed all the powers of the enemy and he got the job done. Yes. But he says as we walk this as, as believers that we can depend on, kind of the, on the work of the cross that Jesus did but that, 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 that two-way punch of that work of the cross and the word of our testimony is a combination that the enemy cannot stand. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimonies. Yes, yes. I like watching boxing, and these days it's like UFC, and it's something totally different. When I grew up, I, I, used to, I, was, I was a wrestler, and I played judo. And I competed. Some of you are like, hey, really? Yeah. <laughs> Go back 10 years in the Facebook, you'll see a different image. I remember sometimes when you're matched up with someone that's really good and you're in the mat for five minutes, it feels like an eternity. You're in there for five minutes and you're like, five minutes feels like an hour when you're getting someone that's not going down easy. <laughs> and so I, saw, I see those guys that, you know, the, what do you call the guy? It's like watching Iron Mike Tyson. How many remember those days, yeah? yeah? Man, you know when he gets that job. The if you open up there, you know, you're going down. Really cool. You know, there's just a sudden combination. If you watch the match, there's a sudden combination. If he manages to execute that one, I don't care who you are, you're going down. <laughs> you will be overcome by the Iron Man, right? <laughs> and here the Bible is saying there's a two-way, two-combo two, two execution that every believer has. Once already been done 2,000 years ago in Calvary. Yes. It's not happening again. That blood is sufficient. It doesn't be poured out two times or three times or seven times. He did it once and for all and he got it done. But he says when we combine that with a two-way punch of the testimony, glorifying God of what he's done, he says a two-way punch, we overcome. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Feeling hard, feeling like you're going nowhere, feeling like, oh man, I'm going through a hard time right now spiritually. I can't get out of it. My faith is so dry right now, I don't feel like it. I feel like my prayers are just hitting the walls. I, I, can't, I can't get refreshed. I can't get anything. I'm not flowing here. Start declaring yes. and remembering what God has already done. Yes. Start saying them out loud. Out loud. I was so sick, the doctor had said, you'll be told you're done, this is just it. But think what God did. I remember that I had no hope. I thought I would die poor. I thought that this is just a sign. But look what God did. I was messed up with drugs and addiction and I was so ashamed of myself. But look what God did. 
And you might not have anything else to say or to pray, but I tell you anything, you can say, declare what God has already done. That's your testimony. Your testimony today could be, I was pressed, but I wasn't crushed, like Paul said. I was persecuted, not abandoned, I was struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Thank you, Father. There are times I wanted to run and all I could do is crawl. And truth be told, if it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord, I wouldn't even be alive. And you start saying those things to Satan, I know what you're trying to do, but you're not going to steal my joy, you're not going to steal my peace, because my God has saved me and he has a plan for my life, and I'm not about to give up now. He took me out of darkness, set me on a, field, on a path, and, and I'm going to continue to hang on even when I don't see the light of day, because I trust that what he is doing, he who began a good work in me, is faithful to complete it to the day of Christ in Jesus' name. You are a masterpiece. You you are a masterpiece. God already still has a plan for your life. He hasn't given up on you. So don't start giving up on yourself. So we, witnessing becomes just a byproduct. As I close, I remember, I was, and I refer to these stories a little bit because there's a gentleman I'm witnessing to right now that's in, wanting to learn a lot. And our conversation started just as strangers. Our kids played together. And we were talking, and I wasn't even thinking, like, I'm going to witness to this guy. Somehow we talked, and, he, and I, somehow, in our conversation, not even planned out, just talked about how life was for me. We were talking about faith. I said, hey, I grew up this way and there's a time in my life that there was a turning where it became more than religion. This thing became more real to me and I started connecting the dots of all the things that I'd learned as a little kid maybe and, and, and the way I'd been brought up and where faith becomes a real personal thing. That was a game changer for me. It, it changed the course of my life. It would redirect even what I would do with my life. And, and, but, uh, but that's when I realized that God has always been there for me even when I didn't know him. Yes. See, his eyes get bigger. He says, this is the stuff I really have had a lot of questions about. He says, let's get together and talk about this some more. So you see, witnessing sometimes, it's not going out there and... Uh, <laughs> and telling people they're going to die and go to hell. They might be dying and going to hell, but sometimes that's not witnessing. Witnessing is natural because God made you you, and there are people that will never be saved unless they were touched by you alone. That's hard. That's a heavy responsibility. But there are people in, my life, your, in your life that I would never touch. But because God placed, them in your, in the, placed you in their lives, they will one day be in heaven with all of the saints because God brought that, those people into your path. You didn't plan it somehow, some way. It happened through the plan of God that you crossed paths. See, knowing that gives us a lot more confidence knowing who we are. I don't have to be someone else. I don't have to be evangelist Rain had Bonke or Bill Graham or no just have to be me and God showed me in my life 
How can I have eternal significance everywhere I go? How can I do things that would have an eternal significance? Who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me... The people in my life, how, how am I to, to tell them about you? How, well, the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony. You don't have to convince anybody about theology. You don't have to know all there is. No. You got to just know what your life was like and what God does in your life. Oh yeah, I struggle. We struggle like everybody else. We deal with sickness. We deal with what? But when I have that, I have hope. I believe. I know that God will take care. So, so, so then they can see how you go through the same things that everybody goes through. Because we go through everything as ever go through with hope. Because we know our God. Amen. Did you receive something this morning from God? Amen. Would you stand? Would you stand and let's pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes right now. Let's just take a moment of honor. In fact, I'll ask the Lord to walk in your spirit, to speak to your heart. Sometimes he speaks to our heart at a place of quietness. When we, and when we close our eyes, it just helps us to not be distracted by them. So it's not like I'm trying to make you, oh, close your eyes, go do something weird here. No. Close your eyes in quietness. Allow your heart to be quiet. Because God wants to touch. God wants to heal. God wants to restore. God wants to set free. He wants to set free. And he will set free. Just begin to worship. Raise your voice. Your own words. Pray in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit. Hallelujah. We worship you, oh God. We worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come and touch our hearts with who you are, Lord. Yes, Lord. We adore you, we adore you, Lord. Living God, living God, there is no one else like you. No one else can compare with you, Lord. Oh, today we ask, let your spirit move in us. Hallelujah. Because our hearts are longing for you, Lord. Our hearts are longing for your touch. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We adore you, God. We adore you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep worshiping. I believe that there are miracles taking place as we worship the King right now. There's freedom going on as we worship Him. Hallelujah. We worship you, we worship you, oh God. Oh, come and touch our hearts, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see, it doesn't take much for the Lord to do something incredible and supernatural. It doesn't have to even be dramatic because one touch for 
from the Lord today can set your cause, or cause set you up to, for victory, can set you up for freedom, can set you up for a better life for the yes, rest of your life. Yes, oh God. I want touch from your spirit from, from the Lord's hand can answer every doubt, can answer everything that you came here looking for. It doesn't take much. Only one touch.